Before I read our first scripture lesson, we have a theme for the month, for the season of Lent. I keep calling it a month. That's not good. For the season of Lent, can anybody guess what it is? Stones or rocks. You can decide which theme you would like to choose, stones or rocks. We debated it at day one. Nobody came up with a consensus. But that's our theme. So keeping that in mind, I invite you first to listen to the words from Psalm number 91, verses 11 through 15. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble and I will rescue them and honor them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our second scripture reading comes to us from the book of Genesis, chapter 28, beginning with verse 10. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of God and pay particular attention as you listen to the way in which the place where Jacob lands is described. Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring, and your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid. And said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on it. He called that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in his way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I might come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In Oklahoma City, I grew up in a neighborhood called Quail Creek. Quail Creek. Near my house, there was a little park Running through the park was a ditch that often had kind of brackish water in it. When it would rain, it would fill up with water, and the water would be tinted red from the clay as it ran through the creek. And that was the closest thing to a creek near my house. I never saw any quail. My friend Andy, who lives in McKinney, Texas, a suburb of Dallas, His whole city is basically one giant subdivision, and he lives in a subdivision called 
Glen Ridge Estates. Doesn't that sound nice? Glen Ridge Estates. A glen, if you don't know what that is, is a narrow valley. Now, I've visited Andy's house numerous times. I have not seen a narrow valley there. Uh, And if you've ever been to North Texas, you know there's no ridge. Estates is debatable. It depends on how you define estates. If you're thinking of like Downton Abbey type of estates, this is not estates either. My brother, for most of his time in San Antonio, lived in a place called Deerfield. This might actually have been close at one time because in all likelihood, the house the houses that were built where he lived were built in a field. And this being South Texas, I assume there were deer there at one time, although the only deer that I saw there were dead. There may have been deer there. If you really did well in Deerfield, there was the, uh, the uh, better version of Deerfield across the street, and it was called the Waters of Deerfield. And if you've been to San Antonio you know that waters is used ironically in this case because it's the desert. Most of America, not most, but a large number of Americans live in suburbs, and in those suburbs, they live in subdivisions. And those subdivisions were often made out of people's cow pastures, hay fields, corn fields, wheat fields, soybean fields, They have very few trees and very few natural features at all. And so when the developers come in, they give them names like Quail Creek, Glen Ridge Estates, Deerfield, in order to spruce them up and make them sound like a very nice place that you would want to be. But in fact, in fact, they're really no place. They're really not a place in any sense that we think of somewhere being a place. Nobody's going to move into a subdivision that's called Farmer Dale's Back Hayfield, right? No one's going to live there. So they would much rather live in Quail Creek or Deerfield or Glen Ridge Estates. But I myself have a plan. I am working on developing a subdivision of my own. You may not know this, but it's true. I'm working on building my own subdivision, and I'm just going to call it a certain place. That's the word I was, words I'm going to use, a certain place. And if my subdivision does really well, I'm going to call it the waters of a certain place when I expand it. That's the language that is used to describe where Jacob lands as he is on the run from his brother Esau. Jacob is a fugitive as we find him. He has stolen his brother Esau's blessing He has been told by his father to go back to his mother's people to try to find a wife, and he is pretty convinced at this point that he will never go back to his familial land again because if he goes there, Esau will kill him. So as we find him, he is alone, he is in the wilderness, he is being pursued, he has almost no stuff or no possessions, and it gets dark, and so he just decides to lie down and go to sleep in No place. It's nowhere. So when we consider that this was nowhere and we consider that so many people live in no place, how is it it that a place gets meaning? One way that a place gets meaning is from the history of the place. 
So my brother left Deerfield and he moved to downtown San Antonio and he brought, bought a condominium and the condominium he bought is in a condo development called the Candy Factory. Why is it called the Candy Factory? Because it used to be a candy factory. So that's almost a place. If you leave his house and you walk down the river, you will soon be in the main town square, the cathedral square of San Antonio. Has anybody ever been to the cathedral square in San Antonio? Any of you? A couple of you? Oh, more than a few. Great. So you've been, you can picture the cathedral there. If you go down the right aisle of the cathedral from the back, so this aisle, and you keep walking, there's a wooden door just like that one at the back of the cathedral, and it's shellacked, it's really glossy, and in that wooden door are a couple of holes. Do you know how the holes got there? The holes are bullet holes from the Battle of the Alamo. That's a place, right? So sometimes a place becomes a place because of the history of what goes on in it. But that's not what happens in Jacob's story. Jacob falls asleep in no place with a rock from no place for a pillow under his head. And when he falls asleep, the first thing he sees are angels descending and ascending on a ladder. Now, don't think of a ladder like you would get at Ace Hardware. Think of one of those step pyramids, you know, the ones from your history book when you were in school that they built in the Middle East, those ziggurats. Think of one of those. That's what the word is trying to connotate is one of those step pyramids. So you really have got angels descending and ascending these stairs. And so he sees this, and then God comes and speaks to him. Now remember who he's talking to here. He's talking to Jacob, who's on the run, who has no wife, who has no children, who has no land, who has no possessions. Jacob has about as uncertain of a future as you could possibly have. And he's talking to Jacob, and he says to Jacob, I am the God of your father, Abraham and Isaac, and I will be with you. And then he makes two promises to him. The first is that this man who has no place, no people, no possessions, that this man will have so many ancestors that they will be like the dust of the earth and that they'll be scattered east to west, north to south, over the entirety of the earth, and all the other nations are going to look at his kids and call them blessed. And then he says to him, this place right here where you're sleeping, this no place where you are, this no place is going to become your place. And it will belong to you and your children and your children's children forever. Well, no wonder when Jacob wakes up, he's completely blown away. And he renames the place. What does he call it? He calls it Bethel, which means house of God. Because now Jacob understands that God dwells in this space specifically. Now we, as followers of Jesus, believe God is present in the whole world, that all that was created belongs to God, and that God is everywhere. And so when we look around the world, if we use a discerning eye, we can see places that are sacred all over, where people have built little pillars of stones, both literally and figuratively, to mark the significance of that place. Think for a moment, think for a moment in your own life about places, specific places, which have spiritual significance to you. Maybe you're thinking of a church that you grew up in. Maybe you're thinking 
of a childhood home. Maybe you're thinking of a place out in the woods, the top of a mountain. I don't know, but think of a place that has been enriched and been given meaning by your experience of God in that place. And then now remember, you're sitting in one of those places. We're sitting in somebody's pillar of stones. Somebody built this because of God's presence in their lives and in this place. This sanctuary was the third Presbyterian church which was built here in Fort Smith. There were two prior to it. The one prior to it, does anybody know what intersection it was on? It was built in 1878. Some of you worship there. That was good, wasn't it? I wanted to make sure you were awake. I was having doubts. It was built in 1878, and it was built on the corner of 8th and B Street. And one of my favorite things is when you read the church history, you will find that when they built it on the corner of 8th and B Street, they were worried that it would be too far away from town for anybody to come. So they had that church there for about 20 years, and then they outgrew it. And so they decided to move again to the corner of 12th and B Street. And so in 1898, they laid the cornerstone, which you can still see out there, and they put their Bible in it. They put their Sunday school role in it. They put their order of worship in it. They put other memorabilia in that cornerstone, and they laid it. And then they paid $22,000 to build this sanctuary. That's not counting the price of the organ, the book says. So who knows why that was left out? And they built this, which we sit in each and every Sunday. And so this place, which was no place, which was probably just a corner of forest, a place where people maybe walked past it mindlessly thinking, this place, this place got its pile of stone, its pillar built because people believed that God was in this place. And everybody that's come through here since then has agreed with them that this is one of those places where God dwells. There's places like this all over the world, all over our community, right across the street. Places that were no place, but yet were indwelled with meaning because of the presence of God in that place. Because someone said, this is where I am going to worship. This is where God revealed himself to me. This is where I had my faith transformed. This place this place is where God intervened in my life. My brother has a friend named Kathy who lives near him in the candy factory two doors down. And my, when, she, when he moved in, Kathy came over to greet him. She'd lived downtown a long time, welcomed him and said, where did you come from? And he said, oh, I lived up in Deerfield in northern San Antonio. And she said, oh, you're from Stone Oaks. And he said, no, I'm from, I was living in Deerfield. And she said, all of North San Antonio is Stone Oaks. That's what she calls it. It's her generic subdivision name for suburbia, Stone Oaks. So now, anytime I go to a suburb, the first thing that I think of is, oh, I found Stone Oaks. And they're all basically the same the same types of houses on the same size of lots with the same chain restaurants and the same sprinkling of convenience stores. They're all basically the same. 
But there are still stone pillars even in those places if you have the eyes to see them. A bench with a little plaque on the back. Have you ever stopped to read one of those? Dedicated to somebody who used to sit there. There's one at Caroline Cross Park dedicated by a gardening club. There's a little cross with some flowers that are every once in a while refreshed, commemorating somebody that used to live there and was lost. There's churches that have been built in those no places. Pillars of stone like this one, where people come and gather, and even in that place, find and experience God. And here's the good news for us. This is something that always gives me comfort. I've traveled a lot, and I've been very blessed to see a lot of the world. And I know, I know that no matter where I go in the world, God is there. And if there isn't already a stone pillar that somebody has put up, there will be. Amen.